What's going on, everybody? We're back with the Real Bodybuilding Podcast. This is episode 133, and I'm here with Mr. Dan Garner, Performance Lab Analyst. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, man. Thanks so much for having me on. Well, it's uh, I messaged you a while back to have you on, and we kind of went back and forth with dates, and then I got sick, and then finally we're able to make it happen. And I think one of the things you said that was important, and this happened after I messaged you the first time, was um, Sean Roden passed and you said, I think now is a great time to do this. Yeah. And, um, I think so too. I think we can give people a lot of good information. Can you mm. tell people a little bit about what a performance lab analyst does? Sure. So what I do is essentially that I I'm looking at labs for the sake of health and performance. I'm not looking at labs just to see if someone's already sick. So I, I like to describe it as I look at physiology before it becomes pathology, because so many problems that not just bodybuilders, but athletes and people in general, a lot of what they run into is very predictable based on if things are trending high or trending low, or if there are ratios involved that uh, people just simply don't know about. And sometimes like there is a major art behind viewing labs as well. And this is something we can get really, really deep into. Um, the fact that a lot of people simply don't know what they're looking at. They don't mm -hmm. give how much credit is deserved to the complication behind something such as endocrinology, behind blood chemistry, behind keeping somebody who's 300 pounds as healthy as possible. These things are extremely nuanced, extremely context specific. So what I do is I'll just, I'll just tell you right off the bat. I look at absolutely everything when I take on someone new. So what I do is not for everybody because I look at hair, urine, saliva, stool, and blood when I make a meal plan or when I'm tracking somebody's health uh, from a year to year or month to month basis, depending on what's going on. So I'm looking at absolutely everything to optimize health. And the funny thing is when you optimize health, you do optimize performance. Mm -hmm. So it's it, a lot of people try to separate the conversations, but they can, you can't really mention one without the other because an unhealthy body is not going to adapt to stressors. And sure. if you're not adapting to stressors, you're not going to adapt to your training. So mm -hmm. I've always said the body will adapt to the degree that it is healthy. So I'm looking at all of these markers to protect one's health. And by doing that, I protect their career longevity and the results they can expect from their given program. Okay. So let me, I just want to share. Um, I just want to show people your Instagram really quickly. Cool. Uh, so for people listening, it's Dan Garner, D-A-N-G-A-R-N-E-R -E nutrition, all one word, obviously on Instagram. So strength coach, strength, strength coach, nutrition specialist, lab analyst, internet, international educator, <laughs> uh, best-selling author, celebrity pro athlete trainer. So do you, how many people are you coaching right now? And are they of varying degrees of, ath of athletic prowess or you coach a lot of average people more just stay in line with top athletes? Like what is your, uh, what are your athletes made up of? Sure. So I really appreciate you showing this because I think a lot of your audience might be unfamiliar with who I am and the work that I do. So the, the athletes that I work with today are tip of the spear guys. I, I've coached three Super Bowl champions, two UFC world title winners. That was a boxer I had just a couple of weeks ago. He won two titles on the same night. That's heavyweight Ben Rothwell. I'm working with about eight UFC fighters just currently at the moment. I've worked with multiple uh, Hall of Fame inductees, two all-time world record breakers. 
Um, I've had, I've coached an Olympic gold medalist, an Olympic silver medalist, two Olympic bronze medalists. Uh, I, I, I'm just, I, I don't do this at all to brag, but rather yeah. as a trust building exercise with you and the audience. So they know this ain't my first rodeo. Right. Uh, I deal yeah. with high performance all the time. So mm -hmm. this is, uh, and, and what I do is look at labs. I've, uh, I've looked at over a thousand labs in my career. And I don't say that to be dramatic either. I've, I've literally looked at over a thousand. So I've, I've got a lot of um, theoretical knowledge behind the scientific literature in this area, but also just simply a lot of experience of looking at athletes do wild shit and see what happens in response yeah. to that. So we can basically do our own in-house research to protect one's health. Okay. Health. So when, when you're talking about labs, you're not just, and forgive me if this is not, you know, I'm not a scientist by any means. I'm a, I'm a bro. I call myself a bro scientist. So, um, it. when, you, <laughs> so when you're looking at labs, we're not talking about just my typical blood work that I would go get done with like kidney, liver, thyroid, all that you're, you're going far beyond that. Can you describe like what a lab is or some various types of labs that you might be looking at with an athlete? Sure. So first off, I would actually want to front load this statement with the blood work that you get is the, the most researched and most reliable, the most validated lab that anybody can do. There's a reason why we, you and I can get it here in Canada. You can also get it in Hong Kong, get it Vietnam. You can get it Southern California, get it why doesn't matter because it's, there's that much scientific literature behind it. It's extremely standardized. So that blood chemistry or your CBC CMP, uh, that alone is something you and I could talk hours about, because mm -hmm. I think that that is a way, a vehicle at which we could help a lot of people because for a lot of people, insurance is already covering that. Or for a lot of people, that's the cheapest lab that yeah. you can do. Yeah. So there's so much people can draw from that, that they're not drawing that I think could really help people's health and ultimately their performance. But when, I, when I'm working with somebody, um, and again, I'm the first guy to say what I do is not for everybody because it's, it's extremely comprehensive. I'll also incorporate, say, like I said, the urine, hair, stool, saliva. And what I'm looking at is brain chemistry balance. I'm looking at the microbiome. I'm seeing if there's any pathogens within the gut or, or anywhere in the body at all. Sure. Uh, what I basically do, I'll, I'll kind of simplify it. When I take on a client, we create what's known as a total physiological health score. Okay. And it is a combination of your visible stressors and your hidden stressors. Okay. So visible stressors are things you know are already stressing your physiology. So if you're sleeping poorly, if your diet's bad, if you're taking recreational drugs, um, the, if you have emotional or psychological stress, these are quantified. And then we also quantify hidden stressors. So if, the, if there's a disruption in the microbiome, if you have a, a pathogen, uh, if it's a parasite or a bacterial overgrowth or yeast, um, if you have a hormonal imbalance, if your liver is under stress, we quantify what we call hidden stressors because you never know hidden stressors until you look under the hood. Yeah, it's just, you know, that and that's that's how I like to explain it, because people yeah. have no problem getting their car tuned up once a year, but the vehicle that they have to live in for the rest of their life, they never get it tuned up. They don't yeah. even look at what's going on under the hood. Yeah. So I, I quantify the visible and hidden stressors to create a total physiological health score. And then that basically reverse engineers their program design because it's built upon eliminating stressors. And when you eliminate stressors, you improve one's ability to adapt from training and their health at the same time. Okay. Can we, so there's a ton of information that you obviously can provide. So I'm going to pull out my notebook here. Sure. And uh, I want to go through one at a time 
not not all of the individual labs one at a time, but like I want to start with blood work because I feel like it's yeah. the most important. So I agree. There's, there's one main question I have to ask you. The main question I get from people who DM me is my doctor doesn't know how to look at my blood work based on what I'm taking. Cause if they're taking performance dancing drugs, or if they're bigger than the average person, cause as you know, obviously if you have a lot more muscle, your blood work's going to be a little different. Absolutely. So they always say to me, well, who do I talk to? Cause my doctor is telling me that I'm really unhealthy, but somebody else is telling me that the number is normal. So what I want to ask is can people pay you or do you know of another person that they can contact or, uh, a platform that they can go to where they can submit blood work and say, and pay maybe a fee and somebody can say, this is what your blood work is or isn't. Yes. So that's basically what I do. I'm a problem solver. People okay. will say, Hey, I've got my labs done, or I'm also a practitioner. So I order people's labs. So they don't even have to talk to their doctor. Okay. Um, when, when I order someone's labs, it just goes straight to their doorstep. They fulfill the kits and then I get the results. We rock and roll from there. So that's something I do, but I don't want to sound that self-serving. So sure. you can talk to, there's a lot of other guys who know what they're doing, but you've just got to really trust them. Like you, you and you got to look at somebody who has experience in this. Like I've worked with say uh, NFL O linemen. So I've worked with guys that are 360 pounds and holding a lot of body fat and getting concussions and are training hard. Like this is, yeah. this is a physiology I've seen before, but if you do talk to a pediatrician to look at your labs and you're a 300 pound bodybuilder, you're going to get two way different answers. So yeah. it, it's up to the user to, I guess, do two things to a understand that you got to refer out because just because something is within the reference range does not mean that you are healthy. So I think may maybe a good example of this could be, um, let's just keep the, in the world of blood work. There's a, there's a, a marker called bilirubin that is in every single lab. It doesn't matter yearly physical, you go, you go get that done. You'll have your bilirubin done. Now, bilirubin is a waste product. So it's a waste product of red blood cell destruction. Now, a lot of bodybuilders know that a lot of drugs induce red blood cell production. Mm. They, they induce something called uh, uh, erythropoiesis, which increases red blood cell count. Um, you can also take EPO, erythropoietin, like uh, Lance Armstrong did, and get your own red blood cell count way up. But bilirubin, to get back to what I was talking about, bilirubin is a waste product of red blood cell destruction. Okay. Now, the, it's a, that's important to care about because bilirubin is also a fat soluble antioxidant. So if somebody is destroying red blood cells, well then that's called hemolysis. So their, their body is attacking their own blood that will bring bilirubin down. And then, uh, sorry, that'll bring bilirubin up because it's a waste product of destruction. It'll bring bilirubin up. But then if you're a highly inflamed athlete, which a lot of bodybuilders are, yeah. Yeah. Well, then a lot of that bilirubin is going to get converted to something called biliverdin to act as a fat soluble antioxidant to quench free radicals. So red blood cell destruction bought, brought bilirubin up, yeah. but because you're inflamed, it brought bilirubin back down because half of that went to go quench the free radicals that are in your body. So, so now, it, yeah, sorry, one more thing. So, no, no, now ahead, it, yeah, so now it looks normal yeah. and we're not even going to pick it up that it's destroying red blood cells or the average person won't pick it up because red blood cells, if they are being destroyed, they would be lowered. However, EQ, Anadrol, that drives red blood cell count up. 
Sure. So red blood cell count and bilirubin can be normal in a state of hemolysis. So mm. you've just, you've really got to respect. If there's one lesson that I could drive home to the listeners, it's that you don't, this isn't something you can do part-time. Um, and it's the vehicle you have to live in for the rest of your life. So don't look at it and say, ah, oh, my reference ranges are normal. Yeah. You are potentially, you know, I don't know who's listening, um, but like if you're taking drugs, it's not a normal physiologic state. So the reference ranges no longer apply to you, my friend. We sure. need to take a deeper look at this and understand what's going on. So that's kind of just a good example from the blood world yeah. um, of uh, how much people need to pay attention to this kind of stuff. So that's a, a, a great point. What I, what I can relate to that is I sat down with uh, Dr. Scott Stevenson and, oh, cool. and he was telling me, he was going over some of my blood work with me. Yep. And I said, and, and like you said, you can't do this part-time. I do it part-time. So I literally go on Google and I read about what the normal is and blah, blah, blah. And then I look at my numbers and I'm like, that's not how I did it. Like I had my doctor look at it with me, but of course, yeah. before I talked to my doctor, I would kind of look and reference it myself. Yeah. And so I'm sitting with, um, Scott and cause I had went to see John in Columbus and Scott pointed out to me, he's like, look, you, that looks bad, but in relation to this, this is good. So the point he was making to me is all the blood work is in relation to it, it each other. And I think that's, and, that's and all. your lifestyle. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of, that's something bodybuilders don't look at. They could be like, well, this number is really good, but in relation to this number, that's really bad. It, it makes it that much worse or vice versa. So um, right. anyway, so just making a point that it's not, it's important to talk to somebody like you so they can see the whole picture and not just the one number they're trying to look at. For sure. Albumin is another really good one for us to kind of just use as an example here to so people can understand this depth more, because what you just uh, mentioned is what most people do is they will treat lab work kind of like a recipe cookbook. They'll yeah. say, oh, I have high ALT, do this. Oh, yeah. I've got high cholesterol, do this. Yeah. But if you don't understand the physiologic metabolic pathways that led to that, then your, your cookbook doesn't matter. Because sure. you, you, it, it may, it might work 50% of the time. And that's, that's honestly the, what a lot of coaches do. They like pretend to be informed because they have protocols, but yeah. protocols are totally dependent upon the individual. If they're on cycle, off cycle, their size, their diet, their uh, tendencies, like some people will be more. Uh, predisposed to being sensitive to estrogen, for example. Some people may have be more predisposed to having high LDL or insulin values. Yeah, you have to kind of, you have to really look at it for someone, but to, to kind of circle back to what I was talking about with albumin. Albumin, I mean, people, a lot of people don't understand even what it is, right? Mm -hmm. Or even bilirubin. If you say, hey, what actually is bilirubin? Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't know. Or if I'll say, hey, um, can you tell me what uh, alanine transferase is? And they're like, I don't know. I don't know what that is. Oh, it's ALT. Oh, yeah. yeah wait, no, I know ALT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's yeah. somebody who's memorized something but doesn't truly understand something. Sure. So albumin, albumin is an acute phase reactant. So acute phase reactants simply mean a lot of the stuff sounds fancy, but it's freaking not an yeah. acute phase reactant. If you are in an inflammatory state then albumin will be brought down. Okay. However, somebody who's dehydrated, that actually drives albumin up. So somebody can be absolutely inflamed and dehydrated at the same time. Yeah. That's total, yeah. that's, that's a, a bodybuilding, that's yeah. diuretics and hard training, you know? Yeah. So albumin can look totally normal. And that is really bad um, for somebody's health because if we're not picking up on dehydration, 
Well, what's the number one organ system that suffers from dehydration? Your kidneys. Yeah. Yeah. Kidneys. And yeah. your kidneys are absolutely not as uh, regenerative as your liver is. So when you look at that properly, you're able to kind of create the correct inference. Oh, I mean, that this is why your kidneys are messed up. This is why this value is happening because this distribution is in this ratio is throwing itself off. And then when mm -hmm. you correct it, you actually get a performance benefit. Like yeah. albumin, a lot of people don't know this either. It's the number one osmotic gradient in the blood. So osmotic gradient, again, this shit sounds fancy. It's not. Osmotic gradient just means if there's more of something on this side, then this side, well, then we're going to bounce that out okay. and bring it over here. Okay. So that's what albumin does in the blood with sodium. Okay. So if you have low albumin or albumin's not functioning properly, then blood, actually your water will create edema. So you'll actually have a worse cosmetic look. I you'll see. be retaining water because of albumin. Okay. But if we correct that albumin, well, now water can get back in the bloodstream and give you a better muscle pump. Sure. So it, it. it's kind of a good example of improving health, improves performance and yeah. your cosmetic look. So I want to go back to that. The one question I asked you again, uh, just for, I, I don't know if I fully understood. If somebody messages you with blood work, do they have to be a client of yours or will you just look at it in itself? They have to be a client of mine. They have yeah. to be a client of yours. So you're, if, you, if I answered every question for uh, free, it would be all I do. No, 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 not for free. That's not what I'm saying. Oh. I mean, like, let's say somebody, let's, I'll take myself. Let's say I'm okay. working with Hani Rambod yeah. and Hani's my coach for training and nutrition. But I say to you, Hey, I want you to look at my blood work because you're, this is your area of expertise. Yeah. If I pay you X amount of dollars, whatever you charge, yeah. would you go through my blood work and, and I could still work with Hani or are you like an all hands-on approach where I got to do everything? No, dude. I never pretend to be an expert in everything. I'm very, I, I want not what's best for my business or whatever. I want what's best for the athlete. And sure. then as a byproduct of that, that's what's good for business. So if somebody is working with Dennis James, Milo Sarsef, uh, you know, uh, whoever it's going to be, I would absolutely be on board to just even give them a second uh, set of eyes sure. to look at things, you know, and other guys are great too, you know, like guys like Stan Efferding, guys like Broderick Chavez, you know, these guys have looked at labs a million times too. So it's, I think the more people that can step forward and, and educate in this world of mm -hmm. high performance health, both, yeah. the, it's the better it's going to be for bodybuilding. So yeah, I, I totally do though, to answer your question clearly, yeah. I do. I sorry to, uh, sorry to keep going back to it. I just, I'm trying to give the listeners um, some real information because they just don't know where to turn. So I just want yeah. to make, I just want to make that point clear before we moved on. Okay. Absolutely. So if we go back to blood work, uh, there's a couple points I want to touch on in the, in the podcast. I want to touch on blood work, like standard blood work that bodybuilders would get. I'd like yep. to touch on, um, gut health. And I also would like to touch on dehydration. So, <clears throat> or hydration, however you want to put it. So going back to blood work, there's a few main points that most bodybuilders encounter is this something i can ask you about one piece at a time even though it's all connected like if i say to you uh, most bodybuilders have high red blood cell counts and their main uh mechanism of, of action is to go uh give blood that's the only thing bodybuilders know how to do well how do i lower my red blood cell count they say well I'll do hard cardio or go give blood is yeah. there something else that you can recommend to bring it down other than not take the drugs that they're taking yeah, uh, you f find the root cause of the problem. 
That's what it is. So like other things can drive red blood cell count. Yes, uh, drugs drive it up, but dehydration also drives it up. And then certain blood issues like conditions actually drive it up as well. So what I do and what I really take pride in when I, t when I take on, when I look at someone's labs is I identify a root cause to a problem because a root cause always leads to several symptoms. Um, and your ability to identify that root cause and cut it off is what's going to get rid of all this messiness because you're not necessarily have high, uh, high red blood cells because you haven't given blood yet in the last six months. Like some, what's driving that up? Let's answer that question question first. Mm. And then we can be a lot more proactive because uh, this is something where if you look at red blood cells, you can actually protect people's health, but even optimize their performance when you understand a few things. And it's kind of like when you have uh, a red blood cell count, red blood cells have a turnover of 120 days. So it's, it's representative of the last 120 days. Now in the sport of bodybuilding, and this is where like, if you're talking to a pediatrician or if you're talking to me, you're gonna get different answers because yeah. trending high or even a little bit high, not too high, uh, RBC counts can actually be favorable because okay. uh, that, that's gonna deliver oxygen to the body beta oxidation is fat loss. So if somebody is lacking RBCs or if they're lacking iron, you, you're literally at a chemical rate limiting step to burning an optimal amount of fat. And okay. if that person had low iron, you also can't make thyroid hormone. So you're going to just lean more on drugs, which is going to lead to uh, a lot more problems. Sure. When, when you say, when I say red blood, cells, red blood cell count is high and you say, I got to find the root. What if the root is EQ or anadrol. So now you're saying, okay, I found the root. The root is these steroids he's taking. Don't you, wouldn't the answer just be to pull them out? Like, what is the answer to keep it low while still taking the drugs? That's what I want to know. It's, it's not going to be low while taking the drugs. There's no it's way it's not going to keep... gonna be. Nah, okay. you're, you're not going to keep it low. And when you're optimizing hydration, when you are staying cardiovascularly fit, I mean, the, the, one of the reasons why these drugs work is because they do that. So okay. it, it, uh, keeping that low is not necessarily advantageous. It would not, be low, kind of, not low, but in a healthier range is what I'm asking. Yeah, yeah. So then my answer to that would be to keep the dose at a respectable amount. That's based upon your ability to train properly and remove other hidden stressors from your body that are limiting your ability to properly adapt from training. So therefore, you're relying more on drugs for your growth, if that makes sense. It does. What other stressors could... Uh, apply to the body to raise red blood cell count. Like, um, I, like, I just want to know what else I could be doing. Not me personally, but what else could the person be doing? If he's taking anadrol, he's taking EQ. Is there other things he could be doing that would raid, raise red blood cell count? Dehydration's a big one. And so is testosterone, but dehydration's a huge one. There's okay. so many athletes and bodybuilders out there that are walking around dehydrated that have no idea. And that's a, that's a huge one. And a lot, I think it's because a lot of people think hydration is just water, whereas really hydration is water plus electrolytes. So when you manipulate that, you actually improve hydration and red blood cells, but you improve kidney health at the same time. And, and we can get into that too, if you'd like. Okay. So let's save that for a little bit later. Let's stay on the blood work. So, okay. Cool. So we'll move from red blood cells to something else that I see in a lot of blood work. And I get a lot of questions about, which is, um, HDL. So, okay. A lot of bodybuilders have low, good cholesterol. Well, if you want to call it good cholesterol, right? HDL. Yeah, so, yeah. so is there a way to, and usually it's from, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not an expert in any of this, but usually it's from taking too many anti-estrogens or just taking anti-estrogens in general. So yeah. is there a way, if somebody has to take an anti-estrogen, is there a way to increase HDL while taking uh, 
a Novadex or a Remedex or anything of that sort. So the, you wouldn't necessarily need or even want to increase HDL. You, maintaining inflammation in, in proper healthy levels will absolutely do that. But I'd actually, this is a situation that kind of is a callback to our beginning. Mm. I'd be more looking at if somebody had low HDL because of taking a mass amount of antiestrogens for whatever reason, well, then I would actually want to look at lowering LDL. So okay. that would be kind of be my way to offset so that maybe they're both here but then at least the ratio stays the same when they're both here. And, so, yep. so, so you're more focused on the, which is obviously, a, I, I should have figured that, but you're more focused on the ratio. My, my thought of the ratio was I want to raise my HDL to meet my LDL. If my LDL is not too high, right? Like if your LDL yeah. is 10, then yeah, you have a problem. But if like your LDL was five and your HDL was like 0.5, wouldn't you want to raise your HDL or are you still saying I want to lower my LDL to come down to my HDL point? I would be first looking at why is cholesterol messed up in the first place. So okay. that, that would be, we want to answer that question because uh, for example, um, insulin activates an enzyme called HMG-CoA. HMG-CoA is what creates cholesterol. So that's actually, when you take a statin drug, they inhibit HMG-CoA. That's what it does so that you don't create more cholesterol. So insulin excites HMG-CoA. So when you have, uh, if let's say you're taking exogenous insulin, you're, it, do you have high cholesterol or are you just taking too much insulin? Right. Okay. Cause the, you have to start answering that question. And yeah. then it, it goes even further. Cause if you're taking too much GH, well, then this can result in insulin resistance. Well, insulin resistance is going to result in elevated blood sugars. Elevated blood sugars is going to result in your own natural production of insulin being higher, which is also going to excite HMG CoA. So do you have high cholesterol or do you have insulin resistance or are you taking too much exogenous insulin? And beyond this, there, there's a third big one for bodybuilders here too. And by the way, um, all of these answers have like 40 answers. <laughs> okay? I, I, I'm noticing that now. I'm like, damn, yeah. we, we can't, we, we uh, can't narrow because, and I, I, I'm not saying it's your fault because there's a whole bunch of different variables, but like, it's hard to get to, it's hard to give people advice or get them on the right track when there are so many different variables. Yeah. So we can educate to the best of our ability. And that's actually going to be like a part of what I think the IFBB could, could do. But um, the, the third thing, and I'm trying to come up with examples that are the most relevant to bodybuilders. That's why I'm only saying a few things per metric. Yeah. Um, the third example is hypothyroidism. So if you're taking a ton of thyroid, you can induce, um, if it's going to be temporary or even permanent, you've seen some nasty things in, in from, especially in female bodybuilding, um, that you can have a state of hypothyroidism because you've taken too much exogenous, uh, say T3, for example. Well, hypothyroidism, thyroid is what actually allows your gallbladder to make bile out of cholesterol. Mm -hmm. So when you lack thyroid hormone, put very simply, your ability to create bile from cholesterol is decreased. So do you have high cholesterol or yeah. have you induced a state of hypothyroidism due to a poor use of drugs? Yeah. So yeah. we got to kind of answer all of those things. That's the reason why fiber lowers cholesterol because fiber binds onto bile and sure. brings it out of the body. So then your body has to use more cholesterol to make more bile. That's, that's why fiber works, but hypothyroidism inhibits that process. So when, when you ask me a question, I apologize when I get like all over the place, mm. because when you say, okay, I got cholesterol, what should I do? My brain goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, <laughs> because okay, so, 
I, I start manufacturing different contexts that would be the most relevant in bodybuilding. Maybe it's better if we get away from the, what do I do if, because if there's going to be a million different answers, it's, you're going to need the actual subject to talk to, to find out what he's doing to, to answer the question. And that's so, why people need to refer out and not do this part-time. Yeah. So that's kind of like, it goes back to my number one message. And, and I'll just kind of parlay this into the, the IFBB thing I was talking about and sure. poke holes in this poke holes in this idea. Cause I don't know if it's a fully thought out idea. Sure. Um, I want to preface everything I say first with, I freaking love bodybuilding. So mm. if I'm ever passionate about this, or if I sound like don't freaking do that, it's yeah. because I love the sport. It's not because I'm disrespecting it. Sure. Um, but when it comes to this type of education, I think that it would be awesome. And I actually think it was Roman's idea on a bro chat. And I was like, hey, that will work. I think it was Roman yeah. about the IFBB actually providing a course. Yeah. And if this, if, if bright minds in this industry who understood lab work and understood the game. So like maybe they've even got a little street kid, like Stan efforting, you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. you got to understand that those are the people that need to join forces mm -hmm. to create a course. And that's kind of um, something I would like to say too, because um, this is likely a conversation where many minds need to take part of it and not just like, you know, us doing it on a podcast. It's a big sure. thing that yeah. could involve a lot of if informed opinions. Mm -hmm. um, but if the IFBB provided a course on, uh, I think they could provide a course on evaluating blood chemistry for the bodybuilder, but then also provide them an, a, an Excel spreadsheet. So what the spreadsheet would look like in my brain is it would have four different points. So, and all that is, is 12 months. Sure. Okay. And sure. it's broken up into four, three month categories. Sure. And it's, it's simple. So the guys use it. So all it is, your training program is here. Your diet is here. The drugs you were taking are here. Your lab work is here. Mm -hmm. And then your special notes are here. Okay. So when, I, and the, why did I say four times a year? Because red blood cells have 120 day turnover. Right. So yeah, we, we want to do that. We want to have those exact breakouts and we want to predict things before they turn into problems. So I think that if we do that, we'll, we'll be at a major advantage. Um, if I say four times per year, it could be three times per year if you want to do the full 120, yeah. but I like to solve a problem before it becomes a problem. So it would essentially, like I said, training, diet, drug protocol, your blood work and your special notes. So like I lost my erections this month or I'm holding extra water right now. Like yeah. the, these kinds of things could all be in there. And then you are basically creating inferences on lab work when you are at, on the least amount of drugs or the least amount of stress, but then also lab work when you're on your peak amount of stress and peak amount of drugs, because you need both yeah, in yeah. order to create the proper average in the middle. Mm -hmm. And I think understanding that red blood cell have a turnover count that way, heart disease is one of the biggest problems with bodybuilders and red blood cells are very predictive of that, the way in which you look at them and what inferences you can calculate from them. We essentially have, okay, my training, my diet, my uh, drug protocol was this, and this is what my labs looked like. But okay, then the so, next time, yeah. Yeah. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. 
But then, but then the next time I did fasted cardio for 30 minutes per day, and that really helped out my lipid profile. So sure. I can run this course and I can do it again, but just be a little bit smarter about how I organize my training. So my cardiovascular profile is better. Mm-hmm. And then, and then on top of this, so the IFBB would provide a course for you to interpret your labs and they would provide the spreadsheet for you to track your health markers. And then it's not mandatory to do consults, but the IFBB provides uh, spreadsheet consults. So uh, say they hired me or they hired yeah. somebody, yeah. Um, they, they, that person, and it's not mandatory because I don't want to ruin the sport of bodybuilding. I don't want yeah. people to think they have to do stuff. None yep. of that. Yep. Um, so it, they just offer it. Oh, do you want a consultation? Because you've got the spreadsheet and your labs look like this. Let me, let's have an expert look at it and see what's going on so that when you enter your next block, we can start cleaning some of this stuff up. Yeah, I think, so I think it's a great idea. It's one of the things I said was it should be mandatory blood work done every, every uh, four months. I don't, I'm not afraid to say mandatory because every sport has a mandatory something. Right. So I don't, and I've been there and I've done it and I I don't think it would, I don't think it would hurt the sport, but if we don't say mandatory, I think, I think what should be mandatory is that the blood work gets done. I think what also should be mandatory is that you have to consult. Yeah. Um, I don't think what I have been convinced of is I don't think the person that you're consulting with or the IFPB should be able to say you can or can't compete. But I do think the, the consultation and the blood work should be mandatory. Yeah. Because now, and that, because then every athlete is, has the tools now and has the knowledge to make the decision of whether they want to keep going or whether they need to take a break. Because right yeah. now, I don't think they have that. Even if they get blood work done, they're probably like me. They get blood, blood work done. They check a few things. They show it to their doctor. The doctor may not be 100% versed in what's going on. And the doctor tells them to keep going. And yeah a multiple of things could be happening that they don't know about. So I do think it should be mandatory. It's just, it should still be their choice, whether they're going to move on or not. Um, So I just need to ask you a couple things. So you said training, uh, nutrition, drugs, and then blood work, and then notes. The only thing I see wrong with that is I think if you were to have them log their drugs, DIFBB now has a problem. So yeah. that would have to be a private matter where once they do the consultation, maybe they talk to you privately and that's your choice, whether you're going to do it. Maybe you can't work for the FBB at that point. Maybe you're a separate entity, you're an independent contractor, independent contractor. Because yeah. I think, I think once you, if you make them log their drugs Drugs-ist. and it's, it's part of the IFBB, now they have, uh, you know, they have a liability there where I don't think they're going to get involved, but all of the rest of it sounds like it's, a great idea and I'm totally for it. So do you think, yeah. so let me ask you this because a lot of people are like, Oh, that wouldn't help. Uh, that wouldn't help because Sean wasn't competing and John Meadows was retired and you know, blah, blah, blah. So how much do you think that would help the 20 year old, 25 year old, 30 year old, 35 year old before they get to the point where they're in their mid forties and they've now it's too late. Yeah, you answered the question, my man, because the, you're giving somebody insight to physiology before it becomes pathology. That, that's what this is all about. Is, and when you do your lab work, it's not about like reversing everything today. It's mm. about making sure you protect your future. That's, that's what a lot of this is about. So if a 20-year-old is now undergoing mandatory lab work, then um, they're forced to know because there's a lot of guys who don't want to know. 
Like, you know, I feel amazing on this stack right now. Yeah. I'm holding water, but I'm strong as a house and I feel freaking good. They, they, a lot of those guys, there's a character profile where they, they actually don't want to know how bad yeah. your lab work looks. I've been and there. then, yeah. And, and yeah. then what do they do? They look at their lab work when they're on nothing. And they've come off and like, oh, I'm healthy. We good to go, baby. I've been there. I've been there too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that that happens a lot, man. So I think that if you were to catch these problems, because I said at the beginning of the podcast, many problems are problems 10 years before they manifest into pathology. So yeah. if we started doing labs on 20-year-olds, on 25-year-olds, well, then they wouldn't say, holy shit, when they were yeah. 35 or 40, yeah. Yeah. because we would have caught that problem. So I'll give you a perfect example. And this is why, what I've tried to express to people on the podcast, on other podcasts I've done is uh, blood work is a long-term thing. People think it's very like, well, I took this, this PED today, tomorrow my drug, my blood work looks bad. But once I stop the PED, my blood work's going to look good again. Mm -hmm. That may be true, but not over an extended period of time. So yeah. what I try and tell people is and from my own experience, had I had someone like you look at my blood work at 30, I've experienced a reduction in my kidney levels now at 43 because I had high blood pressure from 30 all the way to 40 before I finally got on blood pressure medication. I had a good enough doctor that told me, Hey, you can still bodybuild and take blood pressure medication. Mm -hmm. So had I had somebody like you at 30 say, yes, your blood pressure is high, take this and it will help you for the next 10 years at 43. Now my kidneys may still be in peak condition. So, yeah. so I'm just reiterating the point that you're saying is if we can get somebody who's just starting at 20 years old, they just turned pro or even in the NPC level, because amateurs, yeah. am, people don't know this, but amateurs are dying also. And yeah, amateur, dude, yeah. like so here, I, here in Canada, like, I'm so, yeah. so sorry to cut you off no, no, go ahead. Here, here in Canada. Like we've got the, the London, Ontario show, the Stratford show, the Toronto show. There's yeah. a, you know, there's, there's shows all over and yeah. there are people who have no chance of becoming an IFBB pro taking insane amount of compounds. Yeah. And it's like that that's absolutely happening at not just the NPC level, but at like the regional local yeah. high school. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's crazy what's happening and education's got to take place. Yeah. So I think even if we can go to an amateur level, I don't know, maybe you start at the nationals. I don't know where you start, but if you can start implementing this, people will get used to it. And the thing is it's, I don't think everybody's going to listen. Let's say it's you, for example, you're the guy they're consulting with. Okay. I don't think everybody's going to listen to you. I mean, nope. shit. When I was I 20, when I was 25, if you would have told me, Hey, you got to stop bodybuilding. This isn't going to change. It's only going to get worse. I probably have been like, well, I don't want to talk to you anymore. And I would have kept, yeah. cause I didn't start being responsible until I was 35. Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? That's when I really started to go, Hey, you know what? I'm getting a little older. You mm -hmm. know, when you're, when you're 25, you feel like you're invincible. Yeah. So there are going to be those people that are like, I don't care, but I mean, it's still better to f inform them. At least then the Federation is doing their part. They're That's like, what I think too. Yeah. We tried. Yeah. We tried. We told you, you took a course, you did your blood work. You've been doing it for 10 years and you ignored it all 10 years. We can't help you at that point if you're going to ignore it. So, yeah. um, yeah, I'm glad you, so do you think, and I don't know if you know the answer to this, but if they took away the drug profile that you were talking about, is there any liability to the IFBB if you're an independent contractor and you're only consulting? If there's a liability to the IFBB, if I am an independent contractor consulting for their athletes on keeping them healthy on drugs? 
uh well no you're not talking about drugs all your all okay you're just you're they're no, looking at labs they're providing you with blood work yeah and you're looking at the blood work only and saying these levels are this these levels are that this is what you should be doing yeah but without talking about drugs if you're not yeah. talking about drugs and you're also an independent contractor do you know i mean maybe there's a lawyer that watches that can answer in the comments section yeah. do you know if there's a liability issue there or not I don't think so. Like, but I'm not a lawyer. I don't pretend yeah. to be. Yeah. <laughs> so like a lawyer, please answer us in the comment section. But I feel like if, I don't know, maybe it's the IFBBHS. It's the International Federation of Bodybuilding Health Society. So it's yeah. just focused on health. Different. Yeah. 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 It, it's, it's different. All I want to do is look at your labs and tweak your diet or, or whatever it's going to be, inform you about some things in order to increase your career longevity. Yeah, I think it's a it's a great idea. Is that is there another suggestion that is easier? Or is that you think the best course of action moving forward to keep the guys a little bit healthier, or at least informed about being healthier? Yeah, well, I mean, that's what I came up with. And like, that's why I said, feel free to poke holes in it, because I'm not sure if it's a complete idea. But I feel like if they, they, they like the guys don't even have spreadsheets, you know, what I'm saying like, yeah. they've got no idea. If you have like a problem, and you don't track what's going on, you are guessing. Yeah. So like, I, I really think, the, and the spreadsheet's not just to identify a problem, it's to predict problems. Sure. Because let's say we looked at your spreadsheet during pre-contest, oh wow, your values here were off. So next time, your next contest, we can accomplish a similar thing through a different metric so that doesn't happen again. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, it, it's predictive and um, uh, informative as to what's currently happening. So I think the spreadsheet and then I don't is with the IFBB, do you have to like register every year? Like do you pay yes. for a card or something? Yep. So maybe the course, so That's your course, thing. yeah, you yeah. could do the course or even continuing education, um, in, in this area in order to keep your, your, uh, your IFBB card live and you would answer a quiz on it too. So I think the course, the spreadsheet and offering consults, cause I, you, again, people aren't going to listen to me. Well, they will, but not everyone. There's going to be a, a chunk of guys that's, that don't want the advice, but if we offer it and we give them the spreadsheet and the course, at least they're not blind anymore. Yeah. At least they well, can see it. I think logistically it's simple. Like right now, a pro card costs $200. Okay. So if they said to all the pros from now on, look, you got to pay $300 mm -hmm. and then a, a portion of that money goes to pay for all of this, right? It pays you your salary for doing it and all this other stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't think any pros are going to be like, well, I, you know, I'm not doing it. Forget it. It's an extra hundred bucks. I think they'll pay the extra, extra hundred yeah. bucks and do it. I'm not and, a pro anymore. Yeah. I'm not it. paying a hundred bucks. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so they'll pay the extra hundred bucks and they'll get it done. And it's very easy to track. The, and I don't think the consultation should be, um, I don't think they should be optional. I think it should be, look, if you're going to compete, you take your health into your own hands, but we're going to make sure that you've talked to somebody. Yes. Yeah, so here's the thing. I, I work with an NHL player on the Toronto Maple Leafs, yeah. mandatory lab work, mandatory consult with the nutritionist. Mm -hmm. You You can't opt out or you'll get fined. You get, yeah. you're, you get fined. So yeah. it's, you just, you can't opt out of these things. So yeah. I think the IFBB, wh why wouldn't we do that? You know, yeah. I think it would honestly, man, I think it would mean a lot to people from the outside looking in, Hey, the IFBB actually cares or doing this thing. And I For think, sure. listen, at its root, it would have helped somebody like me. 
And somebody says, well, you're projecting your own, somebody said this to me and we were DMing back and forth, having a debate, not a debate, but a conversation. And -hmm. they said, well, you're projecting your own feelings onto it. I'm like, of course I am. I'm like, I was, I was part of the sport. Like, yeah, if if I'm not going to project my feelings and who is like, I, I, I did it and I've experienced it. So I know for a fact that they said to me, Hey, it's not 200 anymore. It's 300. And you got to talk to this doctor for 15 minutes or an hour or whatever, every four months, I would have done it. These guys want to compete. These guys want to compete. It doesn't mean they're going to listen to you, but they're going to do it. For sure. And like for a guy like you, it could have been an extra hundred bucks a year for kidneys. You know, like that, and that's, that's That's you being on the back end of it makes your opinion more valid rather than less. You've already gone through the, been at the absolute peak of the sport. You were in it for a long time, had tons of sponsors. You you know, so much about the entire industry in and out. So like, I think your opinion of it it would be what I would want. It would be an opinion. So of course you're going to express your feelings on it. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to go back to one quick thing. Um, so I want to go back to blood work for one minute because I know inevitably this is going to be asked of me. Um, can you, since we can't go down a list one by one and figure out solutions because there are so many variables, can you give me a list of what somebody should ask their doctor for assuming they may come to you after and say, what do you think? Like, what do you yeah. want to see on a blood work? So it's real simple. Get a CBC and CMP. CBC. That is a key. CB. CBC. EC. Okay. CBC and CMP. Yeah. Yeah. Like Bob. Yeah. 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 So it's a complete blood count and comprehensive metabolic panel. So with those two, you can derive an enormous amount of information. Like, like I I could do, and I'm not joking, like a five day seminar just on that. There's so much that you can draw from this information. So that would be the number one thing that I would recommend to order. Can I go to my doctor and say, I want a CBC and a CMP? They'll know exactly what you're talking about. Okay. Okay. That's yeah. good information. And that yeah. will give you what? It'll give you everything. It'll give you kidney, liver, like everything. thyroid, cholesterol, all the in-between, everything you need to see. Everything. Yeah. Everything okay. I need to see. And, and if I need another test, then that would qualify that we need another test. So yeah. for example, if uh, neutrophils and lymphocytes, if they're at a ratio of five to one or more, it's like a sure shot that you have a bacterial infection in the gut. So then that's, uh, I would say, okay, well, because of this ratio, we know we need to now order a stool analysis. So okay. like when you start the CBC and CMP, you get a ton of information and that's a real easy thing everyone can do. The other easy thing that I want to do, because I don't want this to just be information with no action items, um, sure. is there, have you ever heard of something called a PRAL score? A PRAL score? PRAL, P-R-A-L. P-R-A-L, no. No, okay, yeah, see, so something like this should absolutely be in the bodybuilding world. So it, it's, it stands for potential renal acid load. Okay. So potential, because it's from the diet, yep. renal, kidneys, yeah. Acid load damage. So we're, we're looking at, and that's a prowl score. And essentially what you're looking at is a five macronutrients that create an acid load on the kidney. Well, I guess four micronutrients, one macronutrient. You're looking at protein in the diet, as well as phosphorus, calcium, magnesium, and potassium. Okay. So four micronutrients and one macronutrient. Phosphorus and protein are acid loading on the kidneys, whereas calcium, magnesium, potassium are alkaline loading within the kidneys. When you get a PRAL score, it's predictive of kidney damage and you can get a 
per hour score, super simple. There, there's this, uh, you can calculate it yourself, but uh, if you get an app and I make no money for saying this, it's called chronometer. Um, you, you can track your whole diet in something called chronometer. And if you get the gold version of chronometer, it will look at your whole diet and calculate your Prowl score for you. Really? So, yeah. So, well, and, and can I, can I, can I ask you a question just to touch on how the importance of this? Yeah. Uh, Cause I, I, I've read a few things about kidneys ever since mine kind of have declined a little bit. You're, you want less, less acid in your diet when, if you have kidney damage, correct? Yeah, correct. Yes. You're looking so, for a Prowl score of zero. That's what okay. you want to balance back out. But so that doesn't mean you have zero acid in your diet. It just means you've no. balanced. Yeah. It just means you've balanced. Yeah. You've been, you've been more uh, proactive towards the, the insults that your kidney has to take. Look, we're already training hard. We're already yeah. got tons of muscle mass. We're already taking in a ton of protein. The least we can do is make sure that protein comes from a balanced source. Mm -hmm. So what you do is you upload your whole diet and bodybuilders are perfect for this because last time they eat the same thing every day. So it's mm -hmm. freaking perfect. You yeah. upload your whole diet in chronometer and then you literally just click a button, calculate Prowl score. And if you're above 25, you got to make some freaking changes to your diet. If you're between zero and 25, you're, you're good, but I wouldn't call you optimal. But if you're at zero, now you're optimal. And it, right now, Fuad, it's going to sound like I'm trying to make headlines, but I'm not. The two most, the highest acid loading things I have seen on prowl scores and you can look this up uh, prowl food scores and it'll yeah. give you it per portion size roasted chicken and canned tuna really roasted oh. chicken and canned tuna both things i love no wonder my kidneys are fucked the <laughs> absolute they're, they're all the way on the end of the spectrum really for your prowl score. yes absolutely so then if we switch this to say something like salmon or even eggs eggs are real close to zero yeah. when you switch these things you're getting protein you're getting amino acids you're getting anabolism and anti-catabolism you're getting yeah. the things you want without the things you don't want i have so, a sorry go ahead go ahead sorry I well apologize. i was just i was no sorry i was just gonna say that um it's very simple and actionable and people don't know about it so mm -hmm. that kind of thing is just like, yo, let's get this Prowl score out there. The scientific evidence is irrefutable. So sure. let's start rocking and rolling on this because you can put it in an app. It's not even like you need to call me to do it. Yeah, I um, in the book I was reading about kidney health, it was talking about whitefish being like a less acid load on the kidneys. So that was kind yeah. of one of the things. That, but And I actually did say something about chicken, but I just wanted to pull this up. Um, so chronometer. Yeah, this, this is the page. This is what you're talking about. That's exactly what I'm talking about. I make no money recommending this. Okay. So if I put my diet in here, oh, this is the app here. Yeah, that's, that's pretty. So I can put my diet in here and give me my prowl score. Does it give me anything else? Yeah, it gives you all your macros. It gives you even all your micros, which I think okay. is super cool too. Okay. So you're able to look at the macros, the micros and your prowl score and a bunch of other stuff. That's really cool, man. I, I appreciate you sending me this. And I didn't know anything about the prowl score, which is crazy because I have a sports doctor who you know, has been working on, and I have a, actually, um, a nephrologist that's yeah. never mentioned this to me before. See, that's wild to me, dude. That's yeah. the, that kind of stuff is that's why I get so passionate. And I start like yelling into the microphone instead of talking, because I almost feel like, like it's a, like a purpose. I'm on this planet. There's people, sometimes I'm looking at scientific literature and I, I like rub my eyes. I'm like, how isn't anyone talking about this? This is crazy. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's so easily actionable. And I just, I, I want to get this message out there, which is why I DM'd you, man. Cause it's just, it's stuff. You've got an amazing platform and we need to, to get people the right information.
So the, the kidney health book I have almost seems like a, <clears throat> the guy when he's writing it, I can't remember the name of it now. I have it somewhere here, but the guy when he's writing it is talking about it as if he's a quack, not he's a quack, but he's looked at as a quack. And his whole premise behind this book is the low acid diet for kidneys. Yep. And nowhere have no person I've talked to yet has said to me anything about a prowl score or a low acid diet. And I, when I've talked to my nephrologist about diet, he's been like, Oh, you're okay. Just keep doing what you're doing because my trend isn't moving. Like I've been pretty uh, yeah. stable for like three years now, which is, they look at a trend more than anything, I guess. Yeah. And, um, and he's like, you're okay. Just keep doing what you're doing. But never did he say we could improve this by lowering the acid in your diet or, or anything like that, which is very strange. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be that easy on you. I would say, <laughs> I, I'm just. I'm just going to be straight up. Um, I, I would look at your diet, and since you have a history or at least a predisposition to having kidney problems, yeah. why would we add more on top? Yeah. Why? Well, I'm going to send you. It's cost benefit analysis. I'm going to. I'm going to pay you and send you my blood work after this. <laughs> All right. You can shred it. No. Um, Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. So no, I appreciate you telling me that, but we can move on to something else. I'm just, I'm actually fascinated by that. So I, I almost want to do a whole podcast just on that now, but um, we, we can, we could do a whole podcast on like each on of all these of these things. things. Yeah. Maybe yeah. we'll do that. Maybe we'll do a series on, on, That'd be on fun. Stuff. but um, when we're talking about gut health, I know a lot of built bodybuilders have gut problems. They have either a distended stomach or they have bowel movement issues, or they have a, a number of different things. So when we're talking about gut health guys, number one tool is Oh, I took some extra probiotics and that's supposed to fix everything. Can you, uh, I don't even know how to ask the question, but I'm like, where do we start with gut health? Like what is, okay. what are some simple, basic one-on-one things that we should be looking at? And then I can kind of go from there. Okay. So let me kind of just, I'm going to, I'm going to make a statement before I answer to qualify why the answer is the way it is. So a lot of people with gut health, they're the worst for treating symptoms. And something I always say to my athletes is that the symptom is never the problem. The symptom is only ever the result of the problem. Okay. So for, for example, if somebody has acid reflux or most people know it as heartburn, um, what do they do? They're going to go to the local pharmacy. They're going to buy Tums because that's an antacid and that's going to suppress that acid secretion. That is what most people are going to go. I'm done. I got no more heartburn, but yeah. my brain works differently. I'll say, why was there acid secretion in the first place? Yeah. Let's answer that at the root causal level and eliminate that hidden stressor from the physiology. So this person can function normally in the absence of medication and supplements moving forward. Mm -hmm. It's not normal for the body to shoot acid up your esophagus. This is not a normal function. So if anything, that's a cry for help. That's your body's signal saying, hey, something's wrong. And if, if you silence that cry for help, well, now who knows what damage is going on beneath the surface because you've just eliminated uh, this, the only signal that your body could give you that mm. something's wrong. So what does this look like in supplementation? Oh, I take my probiotics and I feel good as long as I take them. Yeah. But when I come off them, I feel bad again. Well, all you're managing a symptom because the problem never went anywhere. The moment you came off the probiotic was the moment it turned into a problem again. Yeah. What do people do? Oh man, I'm really bloating. I think I need digestive enzymes. No, you don't. Digestive enzymes are going to act to 
work as a symptom manager for the root cause problem that you're currently ignoring. Mm -hmm. So what I like to do with true gut health problems is identify what root cause is currently there. Um, uh, what do I do? I look at urine and stool analysis to truly identify, because sometimes you'd be amazed at how many people have real problems. I'm, I'm talking probably 30, 40%, yeah. um, have bacterial parasitic worm yeast, um, something going on within their gut. And I want to look at that and I want to see what's going on and solve it at the root causal level, because a lot of people think that, um, just because something's common, that it's yeah. normal. I wake up with abs, but then I'm bloated at night. Common, yeah. Yeah. not normal. Your, your stomach should not do that. Um, I, I have farts that could peel the paint off yeah. the wall. That's yeah. common, but it ain't yeah. normal. Uh, yeah. Bloating, distension, uh, belching constantly, uh, loose stools or constipation. A lot of these things are super common, but it does not mean they're normal. And okay, I think a lot of, yeah. I have to interrupt for one second. So, uh... I understand what you're saying. They're not normal, but are they, but are they normal in the context of bodybuilding? Because it's not normal to eat 400 or 500 grams of protein a day. It's not normal to eat four or 5,000 calories a day. It's not normal to eat every two hours. So nothing we're doing is normal. So is it possible to live the bodybuilding lifestyle the way you're, the way I, I don't know, you're supposed to, and still have a proper functioning gut, gut biome? Yeah, you absolutely can. So the, what I'm referring to is when someone has symptoms where they're like, okay, something's wrong. And that'll, that'll definitely happen. Like if you have even a small meal pre-workout and then you still feel bloated, gassy, distended, that's not being digested and assimilated properly. So mm -hmm. I think that some symptoms are highly, um, predictable. When you actually look at the scientific literature, you should be farting less than 19 times a day. So, okay. so if somebody has having, you have some people who will fart five times an hour, you know, yes. like, and, and brutal ones, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So like what, what I look at are essentially trends. Cause I think bodybuilders should be trending high for certain things, but there's absolutely a point of a threshold that sure. you shouldn't be going past. And okay. I think a cool thing that would be valuable for the listeners, uh, believe it or not, is just pure L-glutamine. Um, glutamine, um, there's three layers of protection that protect us from the outside world, uh, gastrointestinally speaking. If something wants to enter the circulatory system, it's going to have to go through your gut bacteria, yep. and then it's going to have to go through the gut mucosa, and then it's going to have to actually go through the gut cell lining. Okay. Glutamine improves the integrity of all three of these, okay. and it's something that's not toxic. So this is something where like you asked me, what can we do for gut health? That's something everyone could do right now and nothing bad is going to happen. That's a non-context specific thing that is going to improve the integrity of your gut bacteria, your mucosa and your um, cell lining. Not to mention, we just so awesome. We talked about this. Mm. Glutamine is what your kidneys bind acid to, to excrete it. Really? So yes, absolutely. Okay. So glutamine is used as a kidney health supplement at the same time. Okay. So if you want to take glutamine for the purpose of gastrointestinal and kidney health, 20 grams per day, 20 grams per day. Okay. That's a, it's interesting. Yeah. That's a, that's a quick fix. So now do, does this mean you don't find a place for probiotics and digestive enzymes? Like you think they're, it's almost like you're too late or is there a place for them? There is a place for them, but I qualify that place with labs. That's what I do. So like when, when it comes to 
uh, probiotics is a pretty good example because we know a lot less about the microbiome than we think we do. There are thousands, there's over 10,000 different strands of bacteria and over a trillion of them. So like, it's it's just to kind of take a step back. Did you know that they actually found a fifth quadricep in, in the, yeah. So, okay. Okay. Sorry. Um, so they found actually a fifth quadricep. Yeah. And we've, I've, I've looked into this. We've, we've studied, we've been studying anatomy for 495 years yeah. and we just found a fifth quadricep. I think it was in 2014. Okay. Yeah. So I guess it's a quintuset now. Well, well, <laughs> where <laughs> so, is it? <laughs> yeah. It's right near the top. It's like almost like your hip flexor kind of area. Okay. It's okay. right there. So that, that's something we've just recently found. Um, there, there's, uh, there's, uh, it's hilarious when you look at things, we, they, they found another good example. They just found a brand new ligament in the knee. So okay. these are things we can look at by yeah. the way. So yeah. we've been studying it for 495 years. We just found a new ligament in the knee and we just found a new quadricep, quintuscep yeah. in the yeah. last 10 years. How well do you think we got the microbiome figured out? Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? How well do you yeah. think we got endocrinology figured out? Yeah, yeah. That, that yeah. We, we could look and dissect people and see these things that we still didn't pick them up. Yeah, so the yeah. fact that some people are like, this is what you got to do for gut health. This is what it's like. We don't know. Everything has a positive and a negative feedback loop and you got to be careful. So Mm -hmm. that's why I like to look at labs and truly identify something real. Like if somebody says, oh, you need a pathogen eradication protocol and they haven't done a stool analysis on you, that person should be exonerated from the industry, like gone because it's they're acting on something with no information at all, which kind of leads me to my next point as to why I think it's so valuable for bodybuilders to do their lab work, because we have a lot of research on everybody that's not a 300 pound bodybuilder. Yeah. They are the least researched person in the world because they're that size. They're rare. They don't want to be researched and yeah. they're on pharmaceuticals. So the very fact that you have no research should implore you to do labs to make sure you're doing your own, the most important research study of all time, which is looking at your own physiology. Sure. Sure. Um, okay. So there's a place for everything, um, with when it's been looked at and studied and you've seen the lab work and where, where, and why you need it. Mm. Um, I want to move, uh, before we move away from gut health, I just want to ask you a couple other questions. So I was talking to a, a holistic doctor about cheat meals okay. and she was telling me how bad they were for your gut biome. And when people pig out or binge or whatever, it takes the body like two weeks to really get back to normal from that cheat meal. Is that something that you found? Is that something that makes sense? Like when bodybuilders eat clean all week and then Saturday night rolls around, they have a pizza or like burgers or whatever they're going to cheat with. Is that really hurting their gut health or is it something that their body can like kind of get through pretty quickly? Your body can get through it pretty quickly. So I would, I would respectfully disagree with, with that statement because for a few reasons, um, two weeks is very arbitrary, yeah. uh, d- depending on the cheat meal, the size of the athlete, that's a wildly arbitrary. Okay. The second thing I would say is, uh, your transit time I mean, you're going to poo that is going to be completely gone within the next three days. You've got your yeah. ascending transverse and descending large intestine. And at the slowest rate, it'll take one day per section. Sure. And then you will poo that out. So in three days, that whole cheat meal is gone. Yeah. So two weeks is arbitrary. 
three days that cheat meal is gone, we don't actually know enough on the microbiome to make statements like that anyways. Mm -hmm. And also there's no such thing as a bad meal. There are only such things as a bad diet. No, nobody creates insults to their physiology on a one-off basis because biology responds to averages over time. Okay. So, but let me ask you, and like, again, forgive me if these, this terminology is wrong or it doesn't make sense. It's all good. So if I have a, a, let's say I binge or have a cheat meal or whatever on that night, the cheat meal has gone in three days, but does it, does it, inter, does it interrupt my good bacteria, bad bacteria? Does it affect my inflammation? Like, is there any lasting effects or is it once it's gone, your body is like back to normal? So the two things that would come to mind is you'd have potentially acute inflammation, but it would have to be a pretty wild cheat meal for you to do that. Mm. The next thing that comes to mind is processed I'm, food. Sorry, I'm no, go ahead. I'm, no, I'm known for those. So that's why I'm asking. <laughs> is that what you're asking? This is a personal question. <laughs> this is a personal question. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, no, it's not. It's, it's, not no. It's, it's a kind of personal, but it's not. So, okay, let's move on. So anyway. Okay, <laughs> kind of personal, but not. Okay, so when, when it comes to that, um, Again, no one meal is going to make someone healthy or unhealthy. It's biology sure. always responds to averages over time. One meal per week is not going to impact that to any measurable degree in a chronic sense. It probably will in an acute sense because you're going to drive blood sugars up, which is then in turn going to drive inflammation up. So sure. that would affect something acute, like a like a C-reactive protein on a lab. That that could impact that, but it would be very acute. Come up and then it would go down. Okay. The, the only other thing I think of, because... Not that this is a personal question, but I'm going to answer it from a kidney perspective for my friend out there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> pro processed foods contain the most amount of phosphorus, which yeah. is acid loading. Sure. So sure. processed foods contain phosphorus. If somebody was having an enormous uh, cheat meal with a ton of phosphorus on it, we could have picked that up and uh, taken or at least changed the, maybe their cheat meal options to lower phosphorus foods so that they didn't do as much damage to the kidney. Sure. Sure. That's a great point. Um, okay. So moving from, uh, gut bio, actually one more, two more questions on gut. Well, yep. it's not really gut, but I have a friend who is big on metformin. Okay. Uh, he takes it for anti-aging. He also takes it for obviously, um, carb utilization. Yeah. What is, how do you feel about metformin? Is it a, is it a valuable tool or is, is it not like, where do you stand on that? I think it's a valuable tool. I okay. do that. That's one where like, you don't like to recommend drugs on a podcast. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, um, metformin is a reason why it's one of the most manufactured drugs in the world. It's, it's got it, When you look at a cost benefit analysis, it, uh, it wins the war. So metformin when, when taken, at a normal, respectable dose. That's something that uh, I think can actually improve one's physiology because it's going to result, especially in a bodybuilder with less taxing going on with the pancreas, not as much insulin being required, more carb utilization, lower blood sugar. When you start looking at these things and then the downstream effect that they would have if we didn't do it and you still maintained a wildly high carb diet, then uh, I just think it wins the cost benefit analysis. Okay. Is there any benefit to gut health with metformin? I mean, obviously uh, if you're, if you're processing your food better, maybe, but is there any yeah. actual help with gut health? Not directly, at least that I'm familiar with, it would simply be due to better uh, assimilation of that okay. food and less stress on things such as your pancreatic beta cells, but th that would basically be it Okay. to my knowledge. Um, and fiber, where do you stand on fiber? How is it something that people should be supplementing with is it people should be getting for normal food? 
where are we with, where are you on that topic? So I love fiber. I think that's a great question because we're in an age right now where guys want to go really high carb, really high protein, but almost no fat, no fiber. And I'm just, I'm not on board with that. Like I'm a guy where I'll incorporate some healthy fats and some fiber into your plan. I think that that's absolutely going to get a better result in the long term, Mm. um, for, for a variety of reasons, but with respect to fiber, fiber should be taken in at 10 to 12 grams per thousand calories a day. Okay. So it, it, you can just taper that up. If you're someone like Roman, you're having 7,000 calories a day. <laughs> yeah. or, so we're going to do 70 grams of fiber yeah. to yeah. ensure that that is uh, maintaining, to, to answer your question, maintaining a healthy microbiome. Uh, mm-hmm. Fiber is converted into something called a short chain fatty acid or butrate, which helps uh, improve the pH and overall health of your colon and bacteria. So fiber plays a big role in that. Yeah. And fiber, you know, when you look at the fiber research, to be fair, um, there's some bias in that from people, say, advocating pure plant-based diets or advocating their own fiber supplement. You do yeah. see some bias, but two things fiber undeniably does is a lower cholesterol because of that bile thing we talked about previously yeah. where it's, yeah. it gets bile out of the body. And number two, fiber balances blood sugar. Okay. And when it comes to bodybuilders balancing blood sugar yeah. and getting cholesterol out of the body, I don't think that's a bad idea. Yeah, so yeah. I, I, I personally actually love Metamucil, believe it okay. or not. I, okay. I think that's very underutilized in bodybuilding to have uh, just a teaspoon of Metamucil per day and then ensure from food, you're getting at least uh, 10 grams per thousand calories. Okay. So let's just say uh, I'm eating 4,000 calories. I need 40 grams. Obviously it's something you taper up with. So let's say the first day I'm yeah. just starting with 10 grams is do it. Can I just take it once a day or do I have to break it up? Or like, let's say when I do finally get to 40, do I take 20 in the morning, 20 at night? Or is it just, as long as I get the 40 in I'm good. So I, I there's kind of two ways. If, if you have healthy blood sugar, then you can just get it all in, in yeah. morning and night. But if you're somebody who needs the benefit of balanced blood sugar throughout the day, then I'd probably go five, five, I see. Five, yeah. Yeah, five. Yeah. 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 I would add a little bit. So that that's the way in which I would approach it. And honestly, I think it's tastier that way anyways, to incorporate a little bit of vegetables mm. or something with a meal or yeah. fruit. I think it's good. It. So when yeah. you say the, the 40 grams a day at 4,000 calories, yeah. that's, that's total, including Metamucil or whole food. That's total, total. Yeah. It's, okay. it's not okay. a big ask. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not. Um, the reason I think most bodybuilders don't get into fiber is because it slows down your appetite. Yeah. Like that's why I never like, that's why people opt for white rice, right. Uh, as a carb source, because the fiber is really low. It's in and out. You're like, you're hungry again in an hour, you can eat another big meal. And that was always, that was always my, um, rationale for not doing high fiber diets, but then you're at the expense of your health. So I guess you have to find a happy medium you could backload it. If you've got good blood sugar, say you're on metformin, if you've got good blood sugar, then you could have fiber for your last meal of the day. So that clears your system. and doesn't impact your appetite because you're going to have an appetite again when you wake up. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good idea. We could backload that fiber. Where were you 15 years ago? You would have been like a major, (laughs) major help to my career. Um, I'm here now. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. We can help the rest of the people. Yeah. Um, so Going back to, I want the last thing I'll touch on. Do you have time? Cause we've been on way over an hour now. Uh, you, yeah, that's you... cool. Yeah. I, I've got a consult with a, with an athlete in about 15 minutes or so. Okay. So the last thing yeah. I'll touch on is dehydration. Okay. Oh, so you said you can be dehydrated even though you're drinking water because of lack of electrolytes. Yeah. 
how does somebody know, how does somebody who's not familiar with all the science of it, how do, how do, how do I know when I'm dehydrated? Okay. So number one, blood work's mandatory. If you've got high albumin, then you've got, then you're dehydrated. Okay. So that's, well, that's ruled out. Okay. Um, the second thing I'll actually use kind of a morbid analogy. Okay. okay. Let, let's say you've got a dead frog in front of you right now. If we sprinkle salt on that dead frog's legs, his legs will actually start to contract. Okay. And that's because salt causes muscular contraction. Okay. However, his legs are contract. You'll actually see it in Japanese cuisine. They'll pour soy sauce on tentacles and it starts moving oh, okay. around. Okay. I, I don't know why that's appetizing to anybody. That's but I was going to say that's gross. <laughs> that's, that's something people do. So, <laughs> so that's be- a reason the tentacles move. It's because it's a sodium and soy sauce driving yeah. up that muscular contraction. Okay. But then if that dead frog's legs are contracting and now we sprinkle potassium on his legs, they'll actually relax. Okay. Sodium, muscular contraction potassium muscular relaxation yeah. now what's a contraction without a relaxation yeah it's a cramp yeah, yeah if yeah. you got a cramp so if you're somebody who's cramping well then it's likely uh going to be a potassium problem and that can absolutely impact uh your performance and sodium will reduce cramps too because of the osmotic gradient i talked about previously oh, okay. but the, the the real kicker here is um uh magnesium status okay mm-hmm. so let's say somebody has optimal sodium and optimal, uh, potassium. So contraction and relaxation are on point. Magnesium actually determines intracellular and extracellular concentration. Okay. So if you have sodium and potassium, they're perfect, but you have low magnesium. Well, then you have no doorman within the muscle cell Uh, governing intra and extracellular concentration and magnesium is low, even in the general population. And we've seen in the research that athletes need up to 50% more magnesium than general population people. Now imagine a bodybuilder who's bulking and sweating all the time, losing electrolytes and magnesium, and then also training his ass off on a Milo Sarsef twice a day training plan with giant <laughs> yeah. sets. And then he, need, he needs all kind of magnesium. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're running out of magnesium. And another thing here too is, is, and this is why I always say health is performance, you guys, everything connects to everything. Magnesium is required for a process known as glycolysis, which sounds fancy, but that's just your ability to convert carbs into anaerobic energy. That's it. Getting glucose from the bloodstream into the muscle cell to be converted into ATP for energy. The moment you do this and the details aren't important when you, when you get glucose from a bloodstream and bring it into a muscle cell, it turns into something called glucose six phosphate and getting through that cell wall requires magnesium. So that initial process. So then magnesium also lowers blood sugar and that's going to lower inflammation. It's going to do Everything starts connecting to everything. So with more magnesium, I'm regulating my sodium and potassium status, not to mention magnesium is also a big contributor to the Peral score that we talked about previously. And also if I'm low magnesium, then I'm inhibiting glycolysis. So I might think I'm really low energy in the gym. Fuck. I need more carbs. This program's tough. You literally could be running out of gas in the gym because of magnesium status had nothing to do with your water, nothing to do with your branch cyclic dextrin, nothing to do with your sleep last night. None of that, your magnesium status. So if if you're asking me like, how do I know if I'm dehydrated? Well, I mean your water intake for sure. But then when you're calculating your Prowl score, you're going to take a look at a lot of these electrolytes anyways, and that's Mm going to help with your hydration in the big picture. Okay. So we're, we got, um, 
sodium, magnesium, and uh, potassium. Potassium. Sorry. Yep. So, what levels? And obviously, it's going to matter on the size of the body and the size of the person and all these other things. But like, yeah. How do I get it? Is am I just getting in with food? Should I be taking a magnesium supplement? Should I be taking? Should I be adding salt to my food? I mean, most bodybuilders add more salt to their food. Yep. I don't know if a lot of bodybuilders take magnesium. And the potassium we're going to get from potatoes and, and, you know, bananas or whatever else. So, yep. um, so we're not adding a potassium supplement, but are we adding other things? Add magnesium. That's another one I would want everyone to do. How, how often and how much? Before bed, because it improves sleep quality and 400 milligrams for men, 300 milligrams for women. Okay. So that's something I would want like absolutely everybody to do. Magnesium is so many positive functions in the body. And here's, here's some other cool research that I've seen um, that's, that's pertinent to bodybuilders is that it's been demonstrated that if someone has low magnesium status and you take magnesium, ALT goes down. Oh, okay. So, so alanine transferase so is an people, enzyme that's magnesium dependent. Well, people that's your liver enzyme. Correct. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Right. Yeah. Just, um, Okay. So you said water, is there an amount of water that you can recommend percentage wise or based on weight or. Yeah. Anything? So what I like bodybuilders to do is half an ounce of water per pound of body weight a day, not including training. So not if you're too right. So if you're yeah. 200 pounds, you have hundred ounces of water per day. Yeah. That's, that's a non-training day. Yeah. And then when you train, that's when I want you to have your electrolytes. That's when I want you to drink water on an as needed basis, because there's difference between light sweaters and heavy sweaters. And that's when we got to kind of make the manipulations required to maintain performance for a long session. Sure. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. I feel like you sh I should let you go because you have a consult in like five minutes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> listen, I, I could honestly talk to you forever. There's like, there's so many questions and scenarios we could run through. So if you don't mind, maybe we can do this again sometime in the near future and we'll get into more targeted questions. And if we have to, we'll break it all the way down to like very specific blood, you know, parts of our blood work or uh, kidneys, livers, whatever, whatever we're going to discuss to help people. We can definitely do that, man. There's a lot I think you and I can do to create a positive impact in the industry. Okay. So when we schedule that though, can we schedule it like four or five times before I'd we like, actually I'd like to make sure that we schedule <laughs> and then I cancel like six times, six times before we actually, <laughs> I had COVID. It doesn't, <laughs> oh, God. I'm going to, I'm going to feel bad for this forever now, but anyway, uh, look, man, I'm really happy that we got this in, man. I got, I think there's a lot of good information in, in our conversation. Um, is there anything or anybody you want to thank or say, or anything before we go? Um, or anything you want to plug any information you have coming out that people might need to know about. Um, you'll be, so I, I post stuff, content on, uh, Instagram is probably the best place to follow me just at Dan Garner nutrition. Like you already said, I post information on there all the time. I just posted information on another applicable, uh, blood strategy for bodybuilders yesterday to calculate their blood viscosity, which is something that could absolutely save lives. It predicts heart calcification. And everyone's like, you got to get these. And it's, it's something you can do before it's a problem. So like I, I post this stuff on my Instagram all the time. Um, I do consults for this kind of thing and uh, not, nothing else, man. Thanks so much for having me. This was the freaking blast. Yeah, I hope, uh, I hope people watching got a lot of information from it and we'll definitely do it again soon, man. I appreciate your time. Cool. Thanks, buddy. All right, brother. Thank you, man. Thanks for watching. Please subscribe, share with your friends, and like the video. And if you get a chance, check out the description for all the different links to all the different places you can find Hostile and myself. 
And lastly, check out Hostile.com for our new line of supplements and all of our apparel and gear. Thanks again for watching.